Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. Yay, I love when you guys talk back. It's nice. It's like, yes, there's people here. Um, I remember the, that Sunday that Jenny sang for us. And I remember telling Talon, oh my gosh, like I, I don't think this is going to happen again. This is definitely only a one-time thing. Like she's just too good, you know? And I love to hear stories like that because I myself have a very similar story of not really connecting necessarily with a particular church until I arrived to Heartway. And I think it's important to share those stories and to remember how you felt then and how you feel now, right? I think a lot of people are so, especially, for example, like I teach yoga and I teach this philosophy and it's all about being in the present moment, which yes, I believe is very important. But if you don't remember where you came from, if you don't remember where you've been, how can you truly be grateful for what you have right now, for what you're experiencing, for this beautiful blessing that is life, right? I, it's hard sometimes though, when you have to remember dark times, difficult moments. And I don't know, for me, I just think, God was with me then, and now I can really see how much he was working in my life. Like today I can sit and look back and say, wow, God is so great, and I'm so grateful. And I just wanted to share that with you all today. So no matter where you are on your journey, if this is just the beginning, I'm so happy for you. It may seem like the hardest time, but this is the beginning. I promise you there will be the day that you'll look back and think, wow, God was working with me. He was working through me. I was never alone. So I hope that we can all take time today to just think back and just be grateful for all that God has done for us today. All right, my friends. So that wasn't really what I was going to talk about today, but (laughs) I felt it in my heart to share. I actually really wanted to talk about breathing, which we all do. And how do you feel, right? We all do, I hope, I hope we all breathe. Um, But consciously breathing. And I had a moment, I lead yoga retreats and I actually sent out like all the final information and I was like stressing out and I'm texting Talon and I'm like, I need this email. And he literally responds, take a moment and breathe and the first thing I thought was oh heck no he didn't tell me to breathe like I'm fine you know like it comes up isn't that funny when someone tells you to breathe you like feel some kind of way you're like not sure I'm fine I'm fine but that's actually what you should do in any situation is breathe and slow down so I want to teach you all today the box method Uh, and I was reminded of it when I was listening to Brene Brown and she's just awesome. If you haven't heard of her, if you have, she's just incredible. And so I was listening to her and she was mentioning the same thing that during times of difficulty and stress, we react, right? Because right away we're like, I have something to say, I can defend myself or the ego starts to talk. But there's another way. So today I wanna teach you all this breath and you breathe in for four seconds and then you hold the breath for four seconds and then we exhale for four seconds. So we're all gonna do it together. I wanna watch you so no one passes out on me. (laughs) It's only four seconds. (laughs) All right, so we inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold. One, 
two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Close your eyes, my friends. Find yourself in this comfortable position. And let's practice this breath again. Slowly inhaling at your four count. Holding the breath at the four count. And exhaling at the four count. As I continue to guide you, I want you to follow this breathing. Don't focus on what I'm saying. Focus on your breath. Continue to follow the four method. I want you to let go of all those thoughts in the mind. Release all that's not serving to you. Let go of all that you did before you arrived here. Release all that you have to do after right now. And allow yourself to be still in this very moment. Allow your shoulders to relax. Unclench the jaw. Just allow yourself to be still. Release the weight that's on your shoulders. Release the doubts and the frustration. Allow yourself to be nice and light in this moment. You're free. Nothing is weighing you down. Imagine yourself soaring through the sky, light as a feather, flowing through life, guided by God. The more you release, the more you let go, the more God can guide you through life. The more protected you'll feel, the more beauty you'll see in this life beginning with yourself. Continue with your breathing. Allow yourself to truly settle down. Take this moment here to be one with yourself so that you can be one with God. Our minds are the ones that separate us, but our soul knows that we are all one, that we come from the same source, the same light and love that created this world. There is no separation. Feel all the love that you're deserving of. Feel all the love that is within you. Allow that to fill you up. Wherever you are in your breath, let's come together. We inhale for four. Nice, deep breath. Holding for four. Slow exhale for four. This peace that has settled on you, this is your true state of being. Don't allow the mind to trick you to think otherwise. This peace is inherently yours. For you are a beautiful, worthy child of God. Take your time coming back to your awareness.
gently blinking your eyes open. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. Good morning, everybody. How are we feeling today? Good? Another great Sunday. Oh. I stayed up late last night watching this uh, UFC fight. I don't know why I do that. You watch it too? Man, these guys are warriors. One of the guys after the fight, he was like, I mean, this was like a battle. These two men wanted to kill each other. And the women wanted to kill each other too after that. But this one guy, he's, after the fight, he's like, I don't know, I feel like me and this guy, we belong in another time. We should have been here as human beings when uh, they were fighting in the Colosseum to the death. I'm like, who thinks like that? What? Anyways, that was last night. I was just, I love to, to study the human psyche, you know? Jenny, actually, our, our worship leader, uh, gave me a book today. Is she in here? What is it called? Haunted. Haunted. And she's like, it's freaky. And like twisted. And she gave it to me because she knew that I would like it. So that just tells you a little bit about me. Anyways. All right, guys. Well, I'm very happy to be here. I was in New York uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, did a lot of fun things, hanging out with a lot of friends. Some of the friends I was hanging out with were like pastor friends who have started communities there, one in like the Brooklyn area, another one in uh, the Upper West Side. And I heard the same thing from both of these gentlemen that I was uh, speaking with who are, who are ministers and pastors. And they were describing how overwhelmed and tired they are leading their communities during these last two years. And I'm grateful that I got to have conversations with them and listen to them and learn from them. And I'm also grateful that I don't feel like that. Woo! And, and uh, part, of the, part of the reason why I don't is because for me, the priority with Heartway Aside from anything, like obviously, you know, this is a nonprofit, this is a spiritual community. This is something that exists in service to the community, in service to others. Nevertheless, like, you still have to operate this kind of like a business in order for things to function and, and go well. But I don't even really focus on a lot of that stuff, whether that's a strength or a weakness, I don't know. <laughs> I think God is putting the right people uh, around me in this season that can help uh, focus on those things that I don't necessarily care too much about. For me, the priority has always been that I love and enjoy what I'm doing. Because if I love and enjoy what I'm doing, I can just keep doing it and keep doing it without needing to get anything out of it or from it. So it's just this generative giving of myself and my gifts for the benefit of others, and the chips will fall where they will. So I say all of that to say that I love to be your pastor, and I'm honored that you give me that opportunity to speak into your life every week. I'm also so honored that I get to be a friend to you, because the reality of it is, I don't ever want anybody to get an impression that it's like Danny is up here and then everybody else is here looking for answers from the answer man. No, <laughs> that's not what we're doing here. I am not your guru. You know what I'm saying? I am a friend. Uh, I like the word companion in uh, some of the readings I had to do for my doctoral program, I was, I was reading a lot about something called spiritual companionship. And it's this idea of walking alongside of others, not uh, telling other people what to do or what not to do, 
but walking alongside of others as a friend. And so I offer my friendship to you. I want you to know that. And if you come to Hartway, the first day you come, you're already family. And I am available for you. Just so everybody knows and understands. Okay? I love you. All right. I know. I just had to get that out. You know, I was feeling some type of way. So much love every day. That's it. Uh, someone's, uh, so, someone came in this morning and said, man, Danny, as soon as I walked in, I just felt the energy. You know, the energy was just so uplifting. It's different here. I like it. It's like it's, it's something in here. He kept pointing in here to the heart. That's what it's about. It's about connecting to, to the heart. And when you live from the heart, oh, my goodness, the whole world opens up to you. The whole world opens up to you. Now you don't see personalities. You see other hearts. You see a lot of hardened hearts. You see a lot of guarded hearts. But that's different than seeing like a person who's messed up. You know what I mean? Like someone does something to you and you're just like, oh my God, that person is the worst. They're the worst human being. How could they ever have done that? No, instead, when you're living from the heart, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a wounded person who has a guarded heart. This is an opportunity to love. Because when somebody is being reactive in their interactions with others, I don't know how else to read that now other than as a call for love and an opportunity for me to love. Because if I take that personal, forget it. Forget it. Now, I definitely can't see that other person understand that other person, or give to them what they're actually calling out for, which is a little bit of compassion and empathy. Anyhow, today I want to share with you a little bit about how to manage your overthinking. Any, anybody can relate to this overthinking thing just a little bit? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a Russian novelist by the name of Dostoevsky once said, to think too much is a disease. <laughs> that, is a, that is a disease that every single one of us has. And there ain't no vaccine. There ain't no booster shots for this one. This one is with you till your last day. We overthink. And there's nothing wrong or bad about overthinking. It's just so stressful. It's so heavy, it's so tense, it's so much to carry, to constantly be thinking. And then not only do we like think too much, but then we start thinking about the fact that we're thinking too much. <laughs> and before you know it, we're overthinking our overthinking. Yep. What a mess. Why do we do this? Why do we overthink so much? I remember not too long ago, I was going through a time when I was overthinking some things. And I called my, my best friend, one of my closest friends from high school. And I was just telling him about how my mind was overthinking some things. And he said to me the perfect words that I needed to hear. Maybe this is what you need to hear today. He said, Danny, that is totally normal. This is your brain's job. That's what he said. He's like, oh, you're overthinking? that's your brain's job. So if you're thinking too much, that means you're alive. Okay, so you don't have to go crazy about the fact that your mind is all over the place. That's your brain's job. Your brain analyzes everything. Your brain evaluates everything. Your brain is going to run through a million different possibilities and scenarios concerning how things may turn out. And the reason why we do that is because subconsciously we actually think there is some benefit in it for us. We believe that overanalyzing and evaluating and running through everything that could possibly go wrong in our minds may possibly provide us with some sense of security. Maybe it'll help us avoid some trouble. It's our attempt to control life. That's why we think so much. We're, we're, we're trying to control life. 
Not possible, by the way, but we try and we try and we try. And it's not until you try so much that you don't have any energy to continue doing it any, anymore that the light of awareness, the light of divinity can begin to shine in you because you've got to give up. You've got to surrender. But first, you've got to go for the ride. I heard someone say recently, if uh, thinking too much burned calories, I'd be a supermodel. <laughs> any, any supermodels in the house? Yes. Yeah. Here are some signs that you overthink. Look at this with me. I found this list. Number one, you relive embarrassing moments in your head repeatedly. Yeah. Number two, you have trouble sleeping because it feels like your brain won't shut off. Check. Number three, you ask yourself a lot of what if questions. Huh. Number four, you can't stop thinking about how your life could have been better if things were done differently, if they wouldn't have done this, if I would have made a different decision. Too late. <laughs> Number five, you spend a lot of time thinking about the hidden meaning in things people say or events that happen. Oh my God. As a newly single man already with these text messages I, I, I have with certain people, this is what I find my, I'm like, I need to stop looking at the hidden meaning of all of this. What, what am I doing here? Stop, you, you cannot, that is just a waste of time. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Six, you rehash conversations you had with people in your mind and think about all the things you wish you had or hadn't said. Man, we have a disease, people. Number seven, you constantly relive your mistakes. That's heavy. Number eight, when someone says or acts in a way that you don't like, you keep replaying it in your mind. This is every single one of us. Thinking like this is irrational. There's nothing rational about contemplating worst case scenarios all the time. There's nothing rational about that. There's nothing rational about replaying the past over and over and over again in the present. There's nothing rational about it. And overthinking is always that. It's ruminating about the past or worrying and being anxious about the future. That is what overthinking is. And all of it is rooted in a four-letter four F-word, fear. <laughs> she said, my mind went somewhere else. I don't know. Don't overthink it. Fear. We fear what we cannot control. And so the first step for those of us who want to do something about our overthinking problem is to pinpoint and identify the root fear at the cause of our mind's restlessness. Because that is where all of our overthinking stems from. It stems from fear. What do you fear? Can you get quiet enough and honest enough to identify what that root fear is at the cause of your overthinking? If you can identify that, all of the thoughts and stories and narratives that you build on top of those fears will begin to dissipate on their own. Just because you were able to say, this is what it is, and so this is where my focus needs to be. How do I overcome that? Fear. Do you fear being alone? Do you fear being rejected? Do you fear not having the approval of other people? Do you fear the perception of others? Do you fear failure? What is it that you fear? Whatever the fear may be, it is there to be confronted. 
If you don't confront that fear, it will continue to rear up its ugly head over and over and over again in a million different situations and scenarios throughout the entirety of your life. Overthinking causes you to create problems in your mind that don't exist out of this fear. So you may be thinking about problems that have no basis in reality. But because the possibility of that coming true is so scary for you, that's why you've got to face it. Even if it were to never happen, if it's in your mind, it's happening. You're suffering in your imagination. So the fear that you're suffering in your imagination needs to be confronted. Because the other side of it is, the worst thing you fear can happen. It can. So it does no good to just, nah, it's not going to happen. That's like the fake positive thinking thing, you know? No, no, just if that fear is there of the worst thing that can happen, you're just like, no, 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 think positive. Just be positive, man. It's not going to happen. That's not going to do it because that fear is still going to be alive in there. You can try and shove it under the bed, but the monster's still there. You've got to face the fear. What does that look like? It looks like you getting very quiet, thinking about that possibility of what could happen, that thing that you fear could happen, the worst thing that could happen in your mind. It's already in there. So you give it attention and you ask yourself, even if this were to happen, can I still practice acceptance? Even if this were to happen, can I still trust in divine providence? The key is to face it before it comes so that if and when it does, you will be ready. I know this is not what you wanted to hear this morning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I recognize I give, I, give, I give people some really uh, hard pills to swallow. But what I have found in, in my journey is that if you just take the dang medicine, it will do you good. Really. But you got to go all the way. In the New Testament, there's this scripture about like being lukewarm. And people who are lukewarm are like, no, no, no. They're, they're, they're chastised in this particular scripture. It's like, no, no, don't, don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. A little hot and a little cold. No, no, no. Set yourself on fire with this thing. Set yourself on fire with this God thing. Don't be one foot in, one foot out. If you're going to do it, go all the way. All the way. And that's why you're here. That's why you are here. That's why whoever is listening to this is listening to this. Because something in you, God in you, is drawing you towards this messaging. Because there's something for you here. You being here is a grace in itself. Because you get to hear the word of God. And when you hear that word, it generates faith in you. But you've got to be willing to take the dive and go all the way in. So look at what it, look at what it says here. Uh, this is a quote from a Stoic philosopher, Seneca. He says, the man or the woman, stop being sexist, brother. The man or the woman who has anticipated the coming of troubles takes away their power when they arrive. You understand? Mm -hmm. The man who has anticipated the coming of troubles takes away their power when they arrive. I had to do this a while. I'm sorry I have to say this in front of my parents who are here listening to this, but I had to do this with their death. I decided at least to do it already because that was a fear even since I was a little boy. If my parents would go out for dinner or something, 
and leave me with my uncle and they were gone for too long, this little 12 year old boy at the crib was thinking, what if they got in a car accident? What if they would have died? Oh my God. And the fear of my parents dying has remained with me into adulthood. And so I had to face that fear. And that has actually helped the way that I interact with my parents and treat my parents and listen to my parents because I understand that tomorrow they may be gone. I don't fear that anymore. I welcome and accept it. And that changes the way that I live. I'm sure whenever that day comes, it will be very difficult. But the man or the woman who has anticipated the coming of troubles before they arrive robs them of their power when they do. You know, and it's like, uh, I guess I'll get a little personal with um, the divorce that I'm going through now. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine and, you know, they were a little um, surprised by my attitude towards the situation. You know, for me, I accept life the way that it is. I don't argue with life, you know. So that is, that is, how, I, that is how I go about things. And... Uh, this person was surprised that I, I wasn't uh, reacting in the way that maybe they would have reacted in a situation like this. And this person asked me, did you like know that this was going to happen? Did you like prepare for this somehow? I said, no, I, don't, I, had no idea, I had no idea that this is how things would end between me and this incredible woman. I didn't know. But guess what? When it was time for us to part ways, I didn't have to let go of her because I had already done that in the past. Even when I was with her, I wasn't holding on to her. You understand? She was not my possession. She did not belong to me. You know what I mean? She, like every other person in my life, is welcome to come and welcome to go as they please. So letting go wasn't a new thing for me that I had to do when we came to the decision that it was time to part ways. Letting go while I was in the relationship was my way of showing love. You understand? That is what allowed me to give unconditional love because now there were no expectations as to how this other person should operate or not. No expectations. So there is something about facing that fear before it comes. Facing that fear before it comes. If, if, if you don't do that and you're in a situation like mine, thinking about getting into another relationship or getting married again, oh my God. What, what, what happens if the person leaves me? Oh my God. What's going to happen? Nothing. The same thing is happening now. You understand? That's how, I, that's how I see it. There's nothing to be afraid of. Of course somebody can just go if they want to go. That's the way of things. That's the way things are. Is that weird or crazy? Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just checking. So it's facing the fear. Look at this passage of scripture from the book of Proverbs. Strength and dignity are her clothing. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And her position is strong and secure. 
and she smiles at the future, knowing that she is prepared. What a way to live. This is the embodiment of wisdom. Proverbs 31, strength and dignity are her clothing. To know your worth, to know who you are, to live in the strength of that makes your position in life very strong, very secure, giving you the capability to smile at the future, to smile at the future, whatever may come in the future, knowing that you are prepared. Yes, that this is the gift that wisdom and faith offers to you. Talking to a friend of mine the other night, and he was reading a book, okay, get this, about ancient samurais. That's crazy. But I hang out with people who read books like that. I think it's amazing. And so this dude was telling me about something called Bushido. Anybody ever heard of Bushido? Some of you. Okay. So I may not explain it all the way right. I know, Tommy, you're an anime guy, so you probably know this from the, from the world of anime, right? There we go. Bushido. It's like a, it's like a moral code, an ethical code by which these samurai used to live their life. And the whole purpose of living by this code was to die an honorable death. That for them was the purpose of life. To meet death with honor to the point where they would prefer to die in battle but with honor than to live with no aim, no direction, nothing fueling you as a why, okay? So for some of these samurai, if they encounter somebody in battle, and they're fighting, and that other person goes and takes the sword and chops their head off for that samurai who, who practices Bushido. If they were outskilled, if they were outstrengthened by their opponent, but they gave it their all, that for them was dying with honor. Dying with honor. When I think about death, and what does it look like to die with honor, what I want that to look f like for me is to look at death in the face and smile. Oh, like this is how it's going to happen, huh? Because you can just be sleeping in your condo in Miami at 12.30, after a great day, you had some wine, you started binge-watching uh, Big Bang Theory. That's what I've been doing this week. <laughs> you could just be vibing in your condo, chilling, just had a great night with your partner. Everything is good, you just got a promotion, and the building collapsed in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, like it happens like that. So, oh, this is, this is how it'll happen, huh? You smile at the future. You laugh at the future because you know you're prepared for whatever will come. And I want to meet all the other little deaths in my life with a smile on my face. That is the way to live honorably. Divorce, smile. Financial loss, Smile. Betrayal? Smile. I mean, what's the other option? You know what I'm saying? Overthink? <laughs> okay, you could do that. We could do that if we want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is intense, huh? I didn't know I was going to get into the whole death thing to this extent, but it's all connected. And if you think about it, too, like, as I have spent so much time studying Christian history. The earliest Christians, they literally live like this. For them, 
to be a martyr for their faith was the greatest honor that they could be given as a human. Where they would actually willingly want to put their lives on the line for the sake of their faith. Something about facing your fear and being able to do it with strength and dignity. And, and the greatest fear, of course, is the fear of death. That is the greatest fear that we have. I don't know. They were onto something. We don't think about it that much. We don't like to think about these things, you know. But it changes the way that you live. Um, good news, I, I got hired recently um, as a chaplain for a hospice. So I'll be doing like, yeah, awesome. So that's going to be uh, just a wonderful thing, a gift to Heartway too, to help us a lot financially. Um, me being able to have another, another source of income. And uh, it's doing something that I love. But when I tell people what I'm going to be doing, they get squirmish and weird. Because every day I will be with people who are dying. You know what I mean? And for some of them, it's just like, I don't know. I, I was even sitting with a pastor friend of mine who was like, I wouldn't be able to do that. And he's in this line of work. I am perfect for that. I love that. And for me, <laughs> see, this ties back to like the book Jenny gave me to read and all that. Like, I just like this kind of stuff. But again, it's, it's um, for me, the constant reminder of death gives so much value to life. It gives so much value to life. So what's next in this sermon, huh? What was I going to talk about? Yes, great, let's start here. All right, Luke 12, 24, thank you. This is what Jesus said. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No amount of worry and anxiety will change what's gonna happen from happening. I'm gonna say that one more time. No amount of worry or anxiety will change what's going to happen from happening. Worry does not add anything to your life other than stress. So what do we do when we have all of this worry? Well, there's a lot of things we can do. The scriptures say don't worry about anything, pray about everything. When worry and anxiety arises within you, what if you got into this habit of transmuting and transforming that energy into devotion to God? What if worry and anxiety meant prayer? And you just got in that habit. Now, something that is quote unquote bad and stressful literally becomes a, a vehicle through which you enter into the divine presence and make contact with the spirit of God dwelling in you. And when you pray, like, I'm not, you know, it's not about like, don't pray like this or pray like this. Like, you could pray the prayer where it's like, God, God, please, please fix this. I don't want that to happen. Please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen when you're worried, right? But understand that those kind of prayers, wonderful prayers that you may need to get off of your chest because you really don't want that to happen and you want God to prevent that from happening, pray the prayer. I'm not telling you not to pray that prayer. But that prayer is still about you wanting life to be the way you want it to be. And you'll probably just continue to pray that prayer a million other times for the rest of your life. Sometimes you'll hit the jackpot, other times you won't. And when you don't, yeah. And when you don't, when God doesn't do it, it's going to be problems. So what if our prayer was, not God change this, prevent this from happening. God, whatever may happen, whatever may happen, give me the strength and ability that I need to face it. Right? And if the worst thing does come true, can you trust that in that moment when it's time to cross the bridge, 
You will have all of the resources, all of the faith, all of the grace available to you so that you can cross it with strength, with honor, with dignity. Can you trust that even if it happens, when I get there, I will be able to tap in and go through? Can you trust that? There are other techniques, right? We can meditate. We can practice mindful breathing. That helps a lot. Maybe some sort of creative expression. We got to dance more. <laughs> really? No, we need to dance more. It's so good for you, you know? Oh, man. We got to dance more, bro. My guy, Raphael, started going to salsa class. He's been loving it. Now he, look at him with the suit back there. It's like I go to salsa class for two months, and now I look like the, Q, the president of Cuba over here, bro. <laughs> Mr. Miami. But there's something about just moving that energy around. Emotion is energy. Emotion is energy in motion. Energy. You got to move that energy around. Yoga is nice. That helps. Go see Gabby. Really, just moving your body, you know, and our body stores our emotions, you know, so getting in touch with your body, a lot of different things you can do when, when you're worrying, when you're anxious. I heard a uh, food, oh man, that's, that's a dangerous one. I, I actually heard a, a psychologist say this, as a method to help with worrying, she said, Try and schedule time to worry. Have you heard of that? You have? She said, schedule time to worry. And then she's like, they did research on this at Penn State. And there were two groups. One was told to just worry like normal. The other was told to just schedule 30 minutes a day to worry. And the group that scheduled 30 minutes a day to worry had reduced anxiety and slept better through the night. Schedule time to worry. That, as odd as that sounds, I can see how that can be effective. Yeah, oh, it's 7.15, time to worry. <laughs> and after your 30 minutes are up, you're done. Worry, oh, no, I can, I'll just worry tomorrow when it's time to worry. <laughs> But if you schedule time to worry and you like write things down or you express yourself or you do whatever it is that you have to do now because you're not like lengthening your worrying to the entirety of your day, maybe you'll actually shift from just the problems to some sort of creative solutions because you know you only have X amount of time to focus on this. That may help. It may not, but I thought I'd throw that in there because maybe you are going to start scheduling time to worry. Whatever it is that you use, whatever method or technique or prayer, there's so many tools at our disposal. Whatever it is that you do, this is where it's going to get very important for you to pay attention. It's never helpful for you to try and force your mind to stop thinking what it's thinking. It's never helpful to try and force your mind to stop thinking what it's thinking because what you resist persists. If you try and fight with the worry and the fear and the anxiety, you will actually create more of it. And your mind will be divided against itself. Right? And that's where you get this guilt complex where it's like, I'm worrying and I'm freaking out because I know I need to. And now I feel horrible about the fact that I'm worrying and freaking out because I shouldn't be. And we start playing those games. That's called a mind divided and a double-minded human is unstable in all their ways. James. Okay, that's how it goes. So if you fight it, if you resist it, if you try and make it go away, you're only going to make it worse. You didn't initiate the overthinking. So what makes you think that you can stop it? Most of the time, stressful thoughts arise within the mind. We don't even want them to be there. You didn't choose for those thoughts to be there, right? And yet, why are we so quick to take ownership 
over those thoughts as if they were ours. Thoughts are not personal. They are not your thoughts. If they're your thoughts, why don't you want them there? <laughs> yes. In the same way that your heart beats constantly, your mind thinks constantly. Okay? In the same way that your body is always breathing on its own accord, your mind is always thinking on its own accord. In the same way that the blood in your body is just circulating automatically, your mind is doing what the mind is going to do automatically. It's not a personal process. Thoughts have no power until you believe them to be true. Thoughts are actually harmless until you identify with them. So your heart is beating right now, but you don't think that you're beating your own heart, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, you have no control over that. Your blood is circulating right now. You don't walk around thinking like, yeah, I'm circulating my blood right now at a certain rate. Maybe only Ryan Howard, the mental muscle coach, can do that. No one else. Okay? Like controlling everything in the body? No. So if all of that stuff is not personal, what makes you think what goes on in your mind is personal? But that's where we get in trouble. Because when it comes to the thoughts, we attach our sense of self to our mental chatter. We identify with our thinking. And it's that identity that has to be broken. There's no need to control the mind or stop the mind or force the mind to do anything. Just watch it. Just watch it. Instead of identifying with your thinking, learn how to observe it as an impersonal process. Okay? The monastics of the Christian East used to speak of this as the discipline of watchfulness, watchfulness. And they called this the art of arts and the science of sciences. Like this is the discipline that is the most important for you to master on your spiritual journey. Because if you master watchfulness, you master your mind and your emotions. Stressful thoughts perpetuate when you give them energy and attention. When you attach belief to those thoughts, when you believe those thoughts to be true, you just assume that the thoughts in your head are true. And that's an assumption that needs to be challenged if you want to find freedom from the restlessness of your mind. And remember, if those thoughts are springing from fear, you're being irrational. In many ways, you are being irrational. So it will do you good to take a step back from this mental process and begin to question and evaluate the validity of the stories and the images that pop up in your mind. This is called watchfulness, self-observation, self-observation. That leads to self-understanding. That leads to self-love. That leads to self-transformation. It begins with self-observation. Look at this quote by a man named Evagrius Ponticus. He was a, a monk in the fourth century, very influential theologian in the early church. He says, be the doorkeeper of your mind and do not let any thought come in without questioning it. Question each thought individually. Are you for me or against me? And if it is for you, it will fill you with tranquility. You understand? 
So I I'm, I'm, I'm entertaining certain thoughts in my head, certain thoughts pop up into my head. You know what I like to do? I'm going to give you another little insight into this mind. This is what I like to do. When I start getting into victim mode, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, when, it, when, the, when the whole world is against me, I look at myself in the mirror. I do this. I said, oh, pobrecito. I said, oh, my God. What a poor boy. Life is so hard. Oh, life is so difficult. Yes, I do this. And then laughter usually ensues. But you got to do that. So it, it, you know that thing that babies do, like when they don't even really get hurt, but they cry as if it was like the end of their lives? And you look at them and you're like, oh, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Don't worry. You know that we never stop doing that. <laughs> like the over dramatic thing. Life is over. Oh, life is over. How will I ever recover from this? Oh, my God. What we do as little babies when we get a little boo-boo, and the adults are like, really, bro? Come here, fine. And you baby it. Like, we never stop doing that. You're still doing that. You're still doing the whole boo-hoo crying thing about a little, little pinch, a little nothing. So you got to sometimes just remind yourself of that. And then you can snap out of it. But be the doorkeeper of your mind. And don't allow any thought to come in without questioning it. And get very pragmatic about it. If I'm believing something in my head and the effect and result of that in my life is more stress, more frustration, more anxiety, more fear, maybe I'm believing something that isn't true. Especially if, you know, I trust that there is a God running the show. If, if I say that, and in my better moments, I believe that, you know, but right now in this situation, I'm believing something that would make it seem as if that were not true. What's the truth? What's the actual truth? You can doubt the truthfulness of the first option, right? God in all. Or you can doubt the truthfulness of my life is over. This is a mess. I'm never going to recover from this. You know what I mean? A lot of us, because this feels so real, we actually start to doubt the truth. You know, and uh, I, I encourage you to flip the script. Don't doubt God's story, doubt your story. And if your story doesn't align with God's story, you know, it's not true. It's not real. You are suffering in your imagination. You know, so... If good happens, good. If bad happens, good. You understand the formula? That's how it works. Every positive is a positive. And every negative is a positive. A little math for you today, even though I studied theology and philosophy. But that's how it goes. Not like you're not trying to pretend or make it be a positive when you really believe it's a negative. If you believe it's a negative, you believe it's a negative. You just got a question if what you're believing is true. And if you do that enough, you'll come to see that every negative is actually a positive. It has to be. It has to be. This is God's world. You live in a God-saturated world. You know? So... Your experience of peace is in direct proportion to your willingness to give up control over your life. 
So how far are you willing to go? I'm always going to push you more over the edge. You know, go further, especially as I go further. And y'all are coming around me. Let's go together. I don't want to just jump off the cliff by myself. I mean, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> but you, come on, come, let's go. Listen, I call, it, I call it free falling into the grace of God. You just keep, I feel like existence is like that. You're just falling and falling and falling and falling, but it's all grace. All right. I'm almost done. So what's the next slide? Is there any more? Oh. Oh, okay. Before I get to that. One more, one more thing for you, okay? If this idea of questioning or challenging your thinking is difficult or new, there's another way to approach this, okay? And this is a method uh, that I'm going to show you from a man named David Hawkins, who's been very influential to me. His writings have been incredible. Always remember that thoughts are just rationalizations of feelings. Thoughts are rationalizations of feelings. So if you feel hurt, your thinking is going to solidify through justification your hurtness. And that's all your thinking is going to do. If you're worried, your thinking is going to operate in such a way that it will justify and reinforce the worry. Thoughts are rationalizations of feelings. So at the root of it is the feeling. So maybe you don't even have to deal with the thoughts. Maybe you can just ignore the thoughts. When it's too much and it's so overwhelming, what if you ignored the thoughts and just sat with the feelings? Don't try and change the feelings. Don't resist the feeling. Don't fight the feeling. Allow it. Accept it. Welcome it. And then release the energy behind it. As you do that, your thinking will follow suit. If you have released the energy behind your worry and anxiety, your thinking will shift in that regard just from sitting with it. If it's anger that you're carrying, sit with the anger. Face the anger. Allow the anger. Don't try and change the anger or hide the anger or suppress the anger. You feel. And then you release what you need to release. You release the energy behind it by allowing it to go through you. It has to, it has to come out and be expressed. You're either going to do it in an unhealthy way or in a healthier kind of way. Look at what David Hawkins says. The first step is to allow yourself to have the feeling without resisting it, venting it, fearing it, condemning it, or moralizing about it. It means to drop judgment and to see that it is just a feeling. The technique is to be with the feeling and surrender all efforts to modify it in any way. Let go of wanting to resist the feeling. It is resistance that keeps the feeling going. When you give up resisting or trying to modify the feeling, it will shift to the next feeling and be accompanied by a lighter sensation. A feeling that is not resisted will disappear as the energy behind it dissipates. There's a story in the Gospels I'll end here about Jesus going into the home of two women by the name of Mary and Martha. They were sisters, friends of Jesus, supporters of his ministry. When Jesus went into their home, Martha wanted to show Jesus some hospitality. And so she was in the kitchen getting things ready, cleaning the house, preparing things because this teacher, this masterful teacher, this rabbi is coming into our home. What an honor. We've got to get things ready. But when Jesus arrived, it was only Martha who was doing all of the work to get ready for his presence in their home. Mary, the sister, 
wasn't helping at all. Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, enjoying his presence, being present. And Martha didn't like that her sister wasn't helping her out. And so she goes to Jesus and calls out her sister and says, do you see this lady? I'm here running around trying to help out for you, Jesus. And this girl is not helping me at all. And you know what Jesus says to her? He says, oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. Mary has found the good portion. And this cannot be taken from her. What is it that Mary found that was so much more uh, important than what Martha was concerned with? Internal rest. Internal rest. Resting in the presence of God. When you can find that internal rest, you have found everything. That is worth giving up everything for, to pursue that. And then what you'll realize as you chase after this internal peace, after you chase for this internal rest, you'll realize that you've been trying to chase something that you've had the whole time. And that nothing in life needs to change for you to experience this rest and this peace that is already yours. It's just gonna be a matter of you deepening yourself in awareness. The deeper you grow in this practice of self-observation, the lighter you will begin to feel. And even when stressful thoughts arise, you'll become like the center of the cyclone. There will be a a peace and and an inner stillness underneath the storm that's raging that you will always have access to. I call it the cave of inner stillness. If you find that, no one can take that from you. People can take anything else from your life. The clothes, the money, the cars, anything, anything. They can take it all, but they cannot take that. That's the treasure. Let me pray for you. God, bring bring comfort to our overthinking, stressed out minds. We're carrying so much, so much fear, so much worry, so much anxiety. Enable us to entrust all of these feelings and emotions and thoughts to you. As we release control, as we sit with our feelings, as we become more observant of our internal life, help us to taste peace Help us to taste stillness. Help us to develop a state of presence so that we can be present to your hand at work in our life. I pray that you would relieve us of the thoughts that burden us and remind us that through all of the ups and downs of our lives, we're never alone. You are with us, and we're going to be okay. Amen. All right, everybody. Love you. Thank you for sitting through an extra long sermon today. Have a great Sunday. See you Wednesday, Circles of Trust, and then next week. Please sign up for La Mesa online. I want to have lunch with you. Can we do lunch next week after service on Sunday? Sign up for La Mesa. Bye.